Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guests are Preston Dennett and Dolly Saffron. First, I have a couple of announcements. Forbidden Knowledge News, always available on Rockfin, Minds, Rumble, Odyssey, all podcast platforms. Check out Rockfin. This is where you get our premium content. You also get all the premium content from all the creators on Rockfin. Go to rockfin.com slash fkn+. Check out our website, ForbiddenKnowledge.news. It's the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You find amazing podcasts from our community there. We've also started production on the Forbidden Documentary, and we're hoping to hit the road this summer. Maybe visit as many of you as possible along the way, but that really can't happen without your help. The price of gas is pretty ridiculous. If you'd like to help in any way, you can go to supportfkn.com. We have a PayPal link in the description. Any donation made through supportfkn.com, you're going to get exclusive access to never-before-seen research on the JFK assassination from Corey Hughes, which is going in his upcoming book and some of the stuff he won't put in his book. There's some awesome stuff on there. Anything is greatly appreciated, guys. Finally, check out our friends at Fake Mask. Unfortunately, it seems that COVID narrative may be ramping up again. There are still businesses that require employees to wear masks. Fake Mask has the most authentic looking and breathable masks on the market. Sure to get you into work and on with your day. Now you can also get... Joe Biden toilet paper from Fake Mask. That's right. Wipe your ass with Joe Biden with Fake Mask. Just click the link in the description or go to fakemask.shop and you get 10% off your order. Today I want to welcome back to the show Preston Dennett and joining him is Dolly Saffron. Preston first began investigating UFOs in 1986 after learning his family, friends, and co-workers were having encounters. Since then, he's interviewed hundreds of people and investigated a wide variety of cases. He's written 29 books and more than 100 articles about UFOs and the paranormal. He's also a frequent guest on radio, TV, and speaks across the United States. Dolly Safran has worked as a limo driver, zookeeper, bus driver, security guard, nurse, as well as a civilian worker for the U.S. Department of Treasury, and also in the Army as an employee for the U.S. Department of Defense. Her UFO contacts begin around age one and are still ongoing today. Dolly and Preston, welcome. How are you both doing? Wonderful. How are you? I'm excellent. Preston, how you doing, brother? <laughs> yeah, doing great. Great, yeah. man. And uh, Preston, always a great conversation. You're always putting out extraordinary work and research into the UFO phenomena and more. And your new book is fantastic. It covers Dolly's extraordinary lifelong encounters with extraterrestrials. Now, Dolly, you've had profound lifelong experiences, and the book takes readers on a really action-packed adventure with extraterrestrials. It's fantastic. Uh, let's start today with Preston. How did you find out about Dolly's story, and what led you to get together and write the book? <laughs> In one word, ETs. 
they <laughs> brought us together. And I'm not kidding. Uh, no. Dolly, you know, many years ago, decided to go public. And uh, well, I think it was like 2016 or so is when we actually met. Yes. But she had decided to go public. And uh, the ETs are like, okay, really? Are you sure you want to do this? It's a big step. She says, yes, I do. And uh, they said, okay, you'll find a researcher, we think, who can help you with this. So she was looking for someone who could, you know, basically tell her story. And uh, she's searching for someone she felt was a good fit and realized how, how much disinformation and what a mess and how much fear-based thinking there is in this field and was having a little bit of trouble finding someone suitable and uh, told the ETs this, her contacts. She's a fully conscious contactee. So, I mean, she has regular conversations with these guys. And they said, keep looking, you'll find someone. She's like, I can't find someone. And they said, well, check out this guy. His name is Preston Dennett <laughs> and spelled his name, <laughs> my name. So, yeah, I was referred to Dolly by the Greys themselves. And when I heard that, I'm like, wow, oh, my God, they know about me, which I kind of already suspected because this sort of thing has happened before. It has happened afterwards. So, yeah, the ETs know about me. It's very cool, very humbling. Wow, that's incredible. Dolly, uh, let's start with what made you come out in 2016 when you did? What made you make that decision? Um, it's just a lifetime of watching everything that's going on around us. Uh, the fact that everybody's very confused about uh, uh, ET in particular and then uh, science, everything. I mean, it just uh, it just started dragging on me. They have a message. Uh, the message is, was not is not, it's hard to say what it is right now, uh, getting out there to everybody. And um, I couldn't stand thinking about it all the time. So I entertained the idea that I would bring their message forward in a positive way so that everybody gets informed and everybody gets on the same page, so to speak. We level the playing field. Um, my father was in government. He was an architect. He worked for the government. And uh, I saw what was going on on that side of it. So I'm very well versed in who's telling who what, and I want everybody to know the truth. Well, hey, that's that's excellent. Uh, I want the same thing. Now, uh, let's start at the beginning from your experiences. Uh, for the audience that isn't familiar, how did this all start for you? Uh, I was about 10 months old, laying in my crib, nap time, and uh, looking at the window, and I see this big bright light in the middle of the day hit my levelors. And uh, next thing I know, I'm levitating. And uh, it freaked me out. When I got to the top of the rail of the crib, I really freaked out. And I flipped over. And I was trying to go back down. And my memory dies at that point. Uh, it was so traumatic to me. I never forgot it. Never. Um, my parents used to laugh. It was a, a kind of funny saying in the family, Dolly sleeping with the legs outside the crib again. You know, because I would stick my feet outside the bars and hang on with my feet because I was afraid to be taken again, you know, left, lifted up like that. Um, it plagued me. Um, I started having lots of uh, encounters after that. I started showing abilities, you know, which, quite frankly, freaked my mother the heck out. Um, when I was two and a half years old, she was very heavily pregnant with my brother. 
and um, I disappeared out of the house at nap time. Uh, my mom went to check on me. The house was all locked up. There's no way I could have got out, she thought. And uh, she called the police. She called my father two hours and everybody looking for me. And they finally found me, the police did, uh, at a utonum store in Miami. Uh, it's about six miles from my house, so like a convenience store. And um, I was very upset when they got to me. Um, they were trying to get me to tell them what happened. And uh, all I could tell them was, I was promised a red balloon. Where is it? <laughs> you know, and, and two year old, two and a half year old dog. So they changed all the locks. They changed all the, they put locks on the windows actually. And they got a police dog retired. Her name was Heidi. That did not help. I started disappearing even more and the bloody dog was going with me. They were very perplexed. Off and on until the age of 14, I've had lots of experiences that I couldn't uh, string together because I was not able to remember everything. You know, I was still blacking out. And by the time I got to 14, I thought I'm either crazy or I'm going to figure this out. If I'm crazy, I need help and go from there. And um, I was up one night late. My dad, I was outside the backyard. I took uh, astronomy courses at the Miami uh, Plans uh, Transit Planetarium. And um, I was out there with my scope. I was doing my homework. It was a school night. My dad said, go to bed, you know. So I packed down, went in my room, got dressed. Uh, I only sleep two hours a day. And uh, so I'm up most of the night anyway. And I was sitting in my window, you know, on the edge, uh, on you know, just watching the sky. I love looking at the stars. Go figure. And Orion was up that night. I love Orion. It's one of my favorite constellations. And uh, I started to see about 100 stars in the sky that weren't actually stars. And they were started moving around. And I'm like, hmm. This might be my chance. Okay. This is weird. <laughs> you know, don't let yourself pass out. I kept telling myself that no passing out, you know, and uh, I watched it come down. I watched them pair off into twos. Two went toward a uh, Dayland mall, which is on Kendall road, East of us. And two came down over our backyard. Uh, one went West and then one came down over our house and uh, I have trees by, behind my windows. And they started swaying wildly. There's no wind, nothing. And, and yet they're whipping around like crazy. And I saw this craft and it, uh, I realized it wasn't one of ours. I'm well versed in airplanes and, you know, sp space stuff. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, memorize this thing. Don't lose the memory. So I was still watching it from the bottom up. And when I got to the portholes, uh, I saw two little beings in them, one in each window, and they were looking at me. And I was like, oh, oh, my God, this is not fun anymore. And I turned to go under my bed. I was, you know, perplexed, freaked out, wigged out, you name it. OK. And I never made it. I made the turn and my room exploded in blue, white light. And I passed out. I woke up three and a half hours later on my floor in somebody else's pajamas uh, inside out and backwards and uh, pissed that it happened to me again. Um, this time I had the beginning of understanding that something was happening because physically my jammies changed, you know, but it's, what do you do with that? Right. And, uh, I had to get ready for school. So I went and got a shower, went in the kitchen. I heard my mom making breakfast. She said, make coffee and make coffee. We're listening to, uh, Paul Harvey on the radio and, uh, I sit down and I say, mom, 
do you hear anything last night? You guys see any lights, anything? He's just like, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, like maybe a UFO. She whirled on me. <laughs> she said, no, that meant shut up. So I'm sitting there, got my first cup of coffee ever, ever. <laughs> sitting there drinking it dejected because she's not going to talk to me. And uh, the news came on. It went from Paul Harvey to the announcer who said, Two UFOs were spotted by two Dadeland police officers last night and described the whole thing. What I saw, this uh, the one that came down over them buzzed their car twice, flew right over the top of it, uh, disabled the car, everything. I mean, it shut all down, the, the lights on the roads, everything. It was a big deal. Wow. I became hysterical. <laughs> I freaked out. I was like, yes! <laughs> I'm not crazy. Okay. And I was literally wigging out in the kitchen. My mother whirled on me again and she said, get out. No, you're dreaming. And I'm, I'm thinking, I can't argue with this woman. She won't let me. Hmm. So I left. I went out the door. My dad was right there. He heard the whole thing. He said, you need to calm down. You're over the top. Calm down. And when I'm freaking out, it's serious. Okay. Cause I go over the top. Uh, I went in the bathroom, turned the lights out, sat on the floor. It's the only private place. Nobody can come in on you. And uh, I was frantically trying to figure out, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You know, uh, I started to replay the whole thing in my head. And I was determined. And I kept saying over and over and over to myself, I, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to remember this. And I'm going to see what happened to me. I'm determined. And uh, when I got to the part where the light went, I started to see through that. And amazingly started to recapture what happened to me. Uh, uh, I saw a big uh, energy ribbon come down through the light. And uh, I saw the two beings come down the ribbon. And one of them came up to me and took me by the hand. And he put one hand around my waist. Uh, I was frozen. I couldn't move myself if I tried. But somehow when he touched me, I followed him walking. And we went to the ribbon and he put his arm around the ribbon while he had me and we went up weightless. Uh, it was a little weird because we went through the bloody ceiling of my house, right through it. I saw it, um, went through the tree, <laughs> went up to the side of this craft and the, one of the doors was open on it. It had two doors and they pushed me through it. And I, I, once I let, was let go of the ribbon, I, poof, I hit the floor on my backside. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my, you know, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. And I look up because I see somebody sitting next to me. And it was, it was a woman that I, it took me a second to gather who she was. Um, I had met this woman when I was about six years old. I called her mama. I knew she was, and it just straight into me. Sorry about that. Slammed into me. It freaked me out because I knew her. And I was like, mama, mama, because I called her mama. And uh, I was so emotional when this happened. I threw up all over myself. I mean, I threw up. Lost, tossed my cookies. Uh, they helped get me cleaned up. They decontaminated me because it was bad. They gave me some clothes to wear. Um, it's like a little dressy kind of thing, you know, like a smock. And uh, sat me back down. And she gave me time to, I mean, I was shaking. I was just like, oh my God, I remember, I remember. I started connecting the dots in my entire life. 
it was very overwhelming, very shocking to me. Uh, and I'm staring at her and I'm thinking, wow, you know, it was existential. Okay. Um, then I hear this person talking to me and I'm looking around like, huh? And it was Talada, my craft. Uh, I realized then that who he was, what he was and why he was. And he said, you remember me now? Or, you know, let's have a talk. And that blew me up because the, all ET craft are indwelt by um, higher dimensional non-corporeal entities. They indwell the ship. They become the ship like we indwell our bodies and they run it. All the systems on it, all of it. Uh, their technology is so advanced. It has to be that way. Um, it takes uh, extreme high intelligence to do this. And they're who do, they are who do that. Um, they walked me through some of my memories. They, uh, two grays, AI grays took me through the craft, showing me everything again, letting me reacclimate to what I was. They showed me my quarters. Um, they gave me, uh, just little, little chances to touch, look at, re reestablish contact with my own memory. Okay. They brought me back up to the, I guess you would call it the helm. ETs don't call it that, by the way. <laughs> it's the, it's uh, in their minds, it's, they call it the place of movement. Okay. That's how they think about it. And uh, sat me down and said, we're going to take a trip. We're going to go for, for a ride. And I knew what that meant. I mean, I knew. And I'm like, oh, cool. Where are we going? And he said, well, you're going to fly. And I'm like, I'm going to what? <laughs> and he said, you're gonna fly, and uh, now I don't. Like, okay. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to um, clarify something. Are you said AI grays? Are these the uh, different beings that you are than you originally interacted with? Uh, no. And how are they? Uh, what do you, what, what do you mean when you say AI grays? They're different ethnicities of grays, but one particular, uh, and it's not really an ethnicity, but it is, are grays that are. AI, like, you know, you know what AI is. Right. Okay. Right. They're biological AI. Mm -hmm. They're about three feet tall. And uh, they do all the hard work for um, all the grays and all the other uh, ETs across the board. Right. Uh, they're, the, they're the workforce. They're like biological uh, clones in a way? No. Well, sort of, kind of. Uh, I wouldn't call them clones. They're manufactured. Mm -hmm. uh, but they you can turn them on and off. Oh, in other wow. words... You can stack them like cordwood when you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. space is so dangerous. Uh, gamma radiation is the one thing that affects everybody, all of us, anybody who's got DNA. Serious. And if you spend any time exposed to that outside a protected environment, you're going to take heavy amounts of it. And it, it, it screws with your whole body, your systems, your DNA, everything. And uh, so they do all the grunt work. So up ETs, until this point, you, were you only dealing with the AI grays or had you had you? No, mama, mama wasn't an AI gray. Mama mm -hmm. was a tall gray. She's about six foot two. She is six foot two. She's still alive. Um, she is a tall gray. She has four fingers, uh, four toes. Mm -hmm. um, she's about 800 and some odd years old now. And uh, she is my main contact. She is my liaison. In other words, she has been my mama while I'm with the Grace. I grew up with them. I was educated by them. 
and uh, she was uh, who took care of me. She coordinated all my stuff and she's uh, with me all the time. So... Right on. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were talking about no, the no, ship, it's okay. Uh, and how it's actually a, a conscious entity, right? Yes. Um, it is a very important uh, entity to the ship and to their systems and how they work. No, no uh, element of their flight or how they use their their craft is uh, mechanical, like you would think of it. Okay, there are no buttons to push, no levers no controls, nothing. Uh, they run that ship literally by psychic ability. Uh, it has to be that way because they're, uh, okay, I'm going to give you a rundown on their technology. Maybe that'll help. Okay. Sure. Okay. They fly, uh, against gravity. In other words, they have the ability to create a graviton wave and they have emitters that use the power from that wave to envelope their craft and it literally makes them electromagnetically adrift on our magnetism or the magnetism anywhere in space or anywhere. Uh, okay, so you know that part. And let me give you the universe. The universe is a construct. It's a physical construct. It's, it is uh, constant throughout the entire universe. Everything physical in this universe is in that construct. You're physical in this dimension because you've come here to learn something. If you're in this dimension in the universe at this time, you're living within a 12-dimensional space everywhere, okay? And uh, you have to uh, obey the laws of that space. In other words, we have a timeline. You've, you envision, because you can't see past that, a timeline. Uh, Talata is not this dimension he's fifth dimensional and he has no timeline in his existence he doesn't even think about it he lives beyond the timeline he's outside of it he exists all the way around it most ets have learned to to bridge that gap they they live about the fourth dimension they're somewhere between the fourth and the third a little bit further into it than we are and they understand what that is and they use it they use interdimensional technology to travel and to do the things that they do. Uh, you can't do it by physically opening a door and getting in. It takes psychic power or ability because you need to manipulate light to do what they do. They don't travel by speed, they travel by light. Uh, when they go 280 million light years, they open a dimensional door psychically, and it takes the power of Talata's mind and that ship to do that. That's why it's psychic, run, okay? Uh, okay, so that's that's why Talata is doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. There are dimensional, fifth dimensional beings everywhere, and where you're sitting right now, I'm looking at you by via video, right? But in your dimensional space and my dimensional space, we are now sharing that space together interdimensionally. Okay, we're communicating to one another, mm -hmm. and in that space, with both of us, are beings that are past what we can see, okay? And they're here with us right now. People talk about um, uh, guardian angels. I've, I love that because that's probably who it is. They live with us, they see you, they watch you, they guide you, they guard you. There is a uh, part of your life as you are, okay? And uh, Talata is one of those beings. And it, when the ETs 
eons ago, made contact with them and were able to uh, go back and forth with them and interact with them. They made a, a, a union together somehow. They helped the, the ET races travel and learn more and more and more. Uh, you are here literally, physically to learn something. We're all, our consciousness is not our body brain at all. This is a, a vehicle you're living in, okay? Your consciousness is uh, in itself an entity, okay? The consciousness of mind, of thought, of who you are comes from another place. You're, you're actually projected out to this body while you're here. The main reason that you're here is to learn because when you're in source where we all hang out, because we're all in the one mind together, uh, it elevates you. It, you become wise. You can't, you, if you know everything without experience, you, you're not wise. You, you're like a little baby playing around doing nothing. Okay. You can do anything with your mind, but you're just not, you don't understand how it all fits together, works. You can't employ it at all. So you're coming to a physical realm to gain wisdom, to learn. And it's not easy because it's physical. Everything we learn is not easy. Okay. But once you own it, once you've learned it, you wear this wisdom and you can employ this wisdom and your consciousness raises the level of its ability. Okay. And the idea here is the way this universe is created and connected and everybody's connected to one another, that that's the goal. <laughs> get out of here, learn everything that's learnable and then proceed, go on. Okay. Yeah. If I could just jump in real quick yeah. to, Thank you. to yeah. sort of un underline some of what <clears throat> Dolly is saying about these craft. I've, I mean, I've talked to a lot of contactees and often they will say, you know, I felt like the craft itself was alive. So it's very interesting to hear Dolly really elucidate on that. And uh, there are crash retrieval reports from, you know, government whistleblowers who talk about these craft that are in our possession and they open them up and they're like, Hmm, there's no controls here. There's nothing. You know, how does this thing fly? Uh, and this is why I think more and more researchers are beginning to wake up to the importance of consciousness and uh, its relationship to this field. Why people are looking past the nuts and bolts aspect of this, because it is a lot about, you know, consciousness, and I guess spirituality is one way of putting it. Uh, this is a huge part of ET contact. As a general rule, contactees are extremely psychic, very empathetic, have all kinds of paranormal experiences across the board. So I think it's very important that you know, researchers and experiencers recognize this because this is, I think, where a lot of the answers are is to who these beings are. They have a very good understanding and ability to navigate these other dimensions and understanding of it. And now, uh, Preston, was there anything about Dolly's case that gave you a new understanding of the phenomenon or did you learn anything that you didn't realize was, you know, the way things work before? Um, anything profound like that from her case for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I will say, you know, her her story, while is easily the most extensive I've ever researched, really, or honestly even read about, I mean, her case is unbelievably extensive. Yeah. Uh, but there's very, I'm going to say 90% or so, I've heard this before. 
but it's very bit, been very much piecemeal, very much, you know, little tiny puzzle pieces I've put together from hundreds of contactees who often do look at their experiences through perhaps the, the lens of fear or from hypnotically retrieved memories and uh, just bit by bit. So I was able to build, I think, a fairly accurate picture of what's going on here. But to hear Dolly talk about it in a continuous narrative with, you know, without any fear, without the you know, obstacles of missing time and amnesia, definitely made it a lot clearer. And yeah, there's several examples of it. And one is the consciousness of the craft, which I kind of knew, but didn't fully grasp. Uh, and Dolly explained that, no, actually all of these craft are alive as we would think of it. And another thing that always puzzled me was people would say, well, you know, these grays were not emotional. You know, they were not caring. They had no sympathy, but they would always say, well, some of them did too. <laughs> In other words, one that sort of, was with me and would comfort me. And uh, Dolly was able to explain that, well, yeah, the shorter ones are AI. You know, Whitley Strieber talked about this. He saw them mm. stacked up as cordwood. <laughs> um, so there's all kinds of these little details that, you know, how the, how the interior of a craft, uh, chairs will rise up out of the floor <laughs> or, you know, instruments come out of the walls and everything's like almost magical in a way. And Dolly explained how this is just a technology that is very far advanced. I mean, there's so much that she was able to sort of fill in the little blanks. But yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Dolly, um, tell us a little bit about the experience of actually flying and learning to fly the craft. Um, when I uh, when I decided that's what I wanted to do, I was a little over, almost 14 years old, and it took until I was 15 for them to fully get on with me about it. I mean, they said yes, but they put me through a lot of testing. Um, they wanted to make sure that I was going to actually be able to do it and learn and retain what I was learning. So when I was 15 years old, I began this long, long <laughs> training period. Uh, from the age of 15 to 19, I was training for it. And I took my first flight right after my 19th birthday. Uh, uh, because I had to use my own psychic ability. I had to learn uh, physics. I had to learn, you know, mathematics, higher mathematics, quantum, all of that. I had to learn how this ship actually does what it does. I had to learn about the power sources, all of it. I had to learn uh, what it can do to our environment. Then there was the actual flight training. Uh, that was a long process. Um, when ET travels, they don't have coordinates like you would think of them. Every pilot is taken to a destination so that they mentally learn it. Um, I have an eidetic memory and I, I know where I've been. And uh, so when I'm piloting, I can call up that memory of where I was and take us to it with the craft itself. We, 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 we fit. It's not a physical joining. It's just, you know, mental psychic joining of each other to, to cooperate and coordinate everything that we're doing. Um, it took actually flying with another ET who could fly and Talata and going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until I actually, they became comfortable with me taking it out and doing it. It's a dangerous uh, thing to do. Uh, 
nothing is easy with this and anything can happen. And just like flying here, you take a chance when you go out, anything can happen. And it does sometimes. Um, so I became very, very proficient in what I was doing. I had to learn their language. I had to learn how with their symbols that they use to communicate certain directions and uh, c- communicate uh, technical uh, things. I mean, I had a lot. I mean, there was a lot to go through and learn. So. Wow. Now, um, eventually you uh, met different types of extraterrestrials. Is that right? Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about those? Um, well, they're different ethnicities of the grays. Um, they, they, uh, they genetically, you know, you know, we're ethnic too, right? We all have different coloring or heights or, you know, abilities, mm. everything. So, uh, there, there's ET grays who are, uh, short, they kind of look like trolls, you know, and they're kind of bluish. They have a bluish hue to their skin and they're very sweet. And uh, I think they're the ones that made the AI grays, actually. I think they developed them. Uh, then there's uh, the gray races that are not ethnicities that are about mid-size. You know, they're about five feet to six feet, seven feet tall. And then there are the tall grays who can get up to seven and a half feet, eight feet tall. Very willowy, uh, beautiful, elegant beings. Um, uh, they are more like us than you know. Uh, they have a human genome as well. Most, all, all of us have come from the human gen- genome. The structure of all life throughout the universe comes from that uh, genetic DNA dialing in. You relate it to everything on this planet, everything. So uh, I've met uh, those that are the Anunnaki. Uh, they're big guys. <laughs> um, uh, they don't they don't hang around us here so much anymore, but I've seen them on board craft. Uh, one let me actually, I was fascinated. I was sitting there, I was young and I kept staring at him <laughs> and I was looking at his wings because in my mind, how the heck does that happen? And I was trying to figure it out. I was literally trying to see where he was connected to him. And he, now he, he this up. being had wings. Uh, could you describe what this Anunnaki looked like? Yeah. He's about, I don't know, probably seven feet tall, big, Big guy, uh, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Uh, and he had wings on his backside, you know, on his back. They were uh, not like bird wings. They were different. Uh, uh, he had two pairs of them. And one pair went out like this. And another pair went like that. Almost like a dragonfly. Okay. But they weren't, they weren't. Not very, t- they were very tangible. I mean, they had, there was something about them. If he took off and flew with them, you could see that they would work for him. In a lower gravity situation, you knew he was going to be able to fly. Um, wow. He finally motioned me over and said, Here you go, have a touch. And I touched them and I petted him actually. <laughs> and I was freaking, freaking, freaking out. Okay. Because it kind of feels like a feather, but it didn't like look like a feather that I've seen. Okay. And it was very dense and had weight to it. And I was just surprised. Um, that's, so that's the Anunnaki. I've met creatures who look like raw, who are like birds, you know, that are bipedal. They have clawed hands. Uh, I didn't see their feet so much. I wasn't, I was so shocked to see them. I just stared really hard. Um, they did not let me come near them. They are extremely tall and standoffish. Okay. 
Uh, then I met those that look like dogs, you know, like Horus, the Egyptian Horus. And uh, they're extremely well powerful beings. And uh, they have uh, intense gazes and uh, you can hear them breathe. <laughs> I was walking down a hallway to go to my quarters when I saw them. And I didn't stop, but I slowed dramatically down. And I'm like looking out of the corner of my eye at them. And they had this look on their face like, don't stop. Okay. But I, they let me look and I was shocked. I had to go think about that one for a while. I've seen them again since then in another way. And uh, they're really cool. Um, I've seen uh, Mented. Um, I only saw one once and it was, I had to have a kidney transplant. And uh, it was right after my transplant, I was recuperating. And it was a really blustery, windy day. And I had the front door open. I could hear the wind coming under the screen door. And I'm looking out across the field and uh, into the wood line and someone was staring at me. I could feel it. I could, you know, you know, and uh, I got up. I only had a Motorola camera in those days and that really upset me. I flipped it open. I turned the camera on and I'm walking to the door and I'm trying to get a picture of what I'm looking at. And I did get a couple shots off, but it's, you know, it's a Motorola and uh, it stood up. It was crouching way down. And when it stood up, I, I was like, oh, my God, it's eight feet tall. And I ran. I dropped everything. I ran out the door. I was going to go talk to this guy. I was like, oh, wow. You know, and he just turned and started walking away. And he put the message in my head. You know, I'm like, who are you? Who are you? He said, we are the watchers. And uh, I watch over you. And he just booked it into the woods. I just had a transplant. You can't keep up with something when you're like that. You know, I was. I had, to, oh my God, I had just had a transplant. And uh, so, yeah, I've only seen one, but they're amazing. Um, I've, I, uh, go ahead. Okay. Um, I've seen other beings that are light beings. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, uh, when they're, when they come here, they're very, very much uh, in their interdimensional state. They're very, they can move around like uh, an angel kind of. And I know that people mistake them for angels all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, they are extremely advanced beings. Uh, when they're up off this planet and outside this dimension, you can grasp their corporeal form. They are in corporeal form, but they're light beings. Um, I've seen beings who are, I did see a reptilian once. I didn't know what it was. And when I was telling Preston my story, I didn't even know what to call it. I called it the lizard guy. He's <laughs> like, I think that's a reptilian. <laughs> and I uh, uh, saw him out in the Everglades. I used to go out and dig up Indian burial mounds. And I was looking for evidence. I was really into archaeology in those days. And I was packing down my gear. I'd been there all weekend on this mound. And uh, something crawled up my shoulder, you know, emotionally. And I turned to look over my right shoulder and there he was staring at me. And it was not a good situation because I read minds and all I heard in his head was lunch. <laughs> and I wow. dropped everything. I didn't even know. And I ran Indian burial mounds are in the sock. It's like all water around all those mounds and there's sawgrass, you know, it's very spiky grass. It'll rip you up if you're not careful. I went straight through it, got my canoe, didn't even get in my canoe. I just swam out. Okay. Boom. I got out of there. I didn't go back for a month. I was not going to go visit that guy ever again. <laughs> Never. Wow. So I, I saw him 
And I've seen other beings, you know, that are more like uh, Shiva, you know, blue skin types. Um, I've no. never been taught to call them, like you'll call them Palladians. Mm -hmm. And that is not how I refer to them in my head at all. I've never heard that word before. I heard it spoken here. Now, all these uh, different types of races of beings that you met, did you meet those on your trips while you were um, flying the ships? Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, doing transfers and stuff. Um, they didn't exactly fly with me, but when you're going places, once I get there, I need a time to uh, relax, get something to replenish my water, my mm. if it's food time I eat. Uh, potty, all that stuff, you know, take care of yourself. And there are places all over that ET has that we go to. It's like a way station and uh, huge motherships, as a matter of fact. And uh, they'll all, you know, everybody's moving around or doing things at sometimes. And especially if something astronomically is going on around us, I'll see more of them at one time. And uh, that's how I've run into them. I even ran into, I'm not kidding. Okay. This is real. I ran into Jimi Hendrix when I was a kid. He was actually on board one of those playing his guitar. <laughs> I'm not kidding no, you. I, I, I was like, oh my God, this is true. You know? And uh, I was very upset when I realized that he was dead. I was like, Preston, he can't be dead. Uh, he cannot be. You know, so freak me out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I will say that Jimi Hendrix has gone forward and revealed that he's had a number of UFO sightings. He never did say out loud that he was a contactee however his bandmate brian knight i think it was described an incident in upstate new york where they had gotten snowbound and sure enough a ufo landed melted the snow and you know an et came out and brian knight turned to jimmy hendrix and he's like no she we don't talk about this wow. uh, but yeah it's so well known that Jimi Hendrix is a contactee. So when I heard Dolly describing this, I'm like, wow. And she has described, you know, seeing other well-known people on board, which she cannot reveal for obvious reasons. Huh. Uh, but this is a widespread experience, far more common than people realize. A lot of people are being taken on board. One in 40, one in 50 is what the Roper poll found. And I think that's probably close to accurate, if not even more than that. Now, Preston, what are your insights and thoughts on the beings that she encountered? Uh, are these pretty type uh, common types of entities and beings that you've heard of throughout your research? Anything new for you? Uh, no, not really. These are um, beings I've heard before from other people. Few have described dog-like beings. Mm -hmm. uh, Dolly did not describe the cat-like beings she saw. But oh, I, yeah, have, I did too. Yeah. I, I, I did have reports of that as well. Light beings, the little blue beings she described. I'm like, ooh, my sister-in-law, who is an artist, saw those when she was a kid and drew them, a very detailed portrait, which I always love to show to contactees who report these because you get to see them when they uh, their eyes go wide and sometimes they tear up or will actually cry when they see this illustration done by my sister-in-law, Christy, uh, because they're like, that's exactly what that, they look like. And of course I did show it to Dolly and she's like, yep, that's very accurate. Uh, so yeah, I've absolutely have heard these be other people describe these beings and it may sound unusual for a person to have seen so many different types of ETs, but it's really not. 
because uh, when a person is taken on board, uh, often these ETs are working in concert together cooperatively. So seeing, you know, grays working with what I call human looking beings, because again, I don't like the term Nordic. It implies that they're all white and they're not. They are dark skinned ones too. And uh, yeah, seeing them working with tall whites or little blue beings, or you name it is not unusual. In fact, it's more the rule than the exception that a contactee will see various types of beings. But I will say it's often mostly grays, but you know, little grays, tall grays, very tall grays, hybrids. There's a huge, huge variety. They're almost always, pretty much without exception, humanoid. And that goes back to the title of the book, Symmetry. Because mm. I was going to call it Dolly Among the Stars, <laughs> which I thought was a really descriptive and fun title. Because yeah. it's true. <laughs> I mean, she's going all over the place. Right. And uh, we ended up having a chapter of, called that. But Dolly's, I asked her, I'm like, Dolly, what do you want to call the book? And she says, you know, I'd really like to call it Symmetry. And that immediately piqued my interest because it's such a beautiful word with so much meaning behind it and very encapsulating of what she's actually learned from the ETs about the symmetry of life and energy and the, you know, the structure of the universe itself. There's life everywhere. And it, all across the universe, it's humanoid. And same with you know, the animals and the trees and the structure of the universe itself in terms of you know, the micro-universe, subatomic, mm. with you know, protons and neutrons and electrons spinning around is very comparable to a solar system. So yeah, it's a beautiful title, and a, that's why the book is called Symmetry. Yeah, and it's incredible. Uh, you, I mean, your encounters are definitely something that, um, you know, like Preston said, the 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 adventures that you had and the the vast different types of beings are very incredible. Uh, now, you were just talking about a somewhat negative experience you had with a reptilian ET. Is that the only negative uh, extraterrestrial you encountered? Yeah, and I've had a lot. I was a young kid when this happened, and uh, I've had a lot of experiences since then because I'm I was trying very hard to fathom uh, what and who I saw. And, um, I've come to the conclusion, uh, that given the history of this planet, the solar system, that reptilians have been here all along, uh, that they were here during the time of the dinosaur and they somehow survived the cataclysm this planet went through. And, uh, I think they're evolving. I think that they're intelligent. I know that they can communicate psychically. Uh, this is, uh, goes to, it, it sort of backs up what I'm trying to teach everybody. And uh, so I don't look at them as quote unquote evil. They're just a, another type of entity that um, is present. And I don't know them. I don't have any real personal communication with them. So I can't say anything negative about them and I will not. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um just that one just happened to be hungry that day. That's all I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay. Mm. But I've grown up since then and I've really munched it around and I've learned a lot. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. I'm sure there's duality in, in all of that. And I do want to get into that a little bit later. Uh, first, 
we've had uh, I've had plenty of contactees and experiencers um, that indicated that on some of the experiences they had not only very human looking uh, individuals on there, but some in what looked like military uniforms, some look like ours, and there's all often reports that. People believe that our, there are factions of our, our government or military that is indeed working with some of these beings and have cooperatives with them and underground bases and maybe some more nefarious things that some have reported. I don't know. I want to get your thoughts on the uh, military or our human involvement with these ETs. What, what do you think is possible with that? Okay, we're going to go and do a little history first, okay? And I'll bring you up to it. Um, I'm going to give you some background. I am a military brat. My father was in the military. My father was highly placed. My father worked for NASA and the government. Um, I know a lot. I have NDEs you wouldn't believe. I mean, NDAs, okay? Non-disclosure agreements. Uh, even to this day, if I talk, I'm in a lot of trouble. Uh, but I will tell you this. And I don't want to cause myself trouble now. So I'm going to be very delicate with this, all right? Uh, World War II, let's start there. Hitler, before his full rise to power, got a hold of a crashed UFO. And he had people around him who were very intelligent. He was a very smart guy himself. And they started back engineering this thing. And the first thing they learned about it was how it ran, what its power source was. And he started getting people around him to develop that power source. And that would be nuclear. Uh, he built uh, the uh, body of the craft, which he thought, but he didn't have the technology, the materials, or the ability to build an actual ET craft. He approximated it. It was very heavy. You've seen pictures of them. Those are real, what they built, but they're hollow. There's nothing in them. It dawned on him that uh, something was going on with that as well. They knew that uh, they were up against a lot and they were trying to figure it all out. During this war that he got into with everybody, he was very, very close to developing nuclear bombs and the technology for the bombs themselves. He knew that that could devastate us, okay? He knew that what the power of this element meant if it was used. Luckily, we won the war. And so to the victors goes the spoils. And all that information came over to us, including his scientists, his rocket people, everything. Right. You'd think... You'd think that they would not develop this technology because the first thing that I could tell you absolutely is they don't have the same nuclear materials that ET has. Not at all. Okay. It's dirty, very radioactive, has a half-life, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, but they did it anyway. They kept building it. And, you know, Japan got into our uh, issues worldwide and especially us. And Truman decided then that they, we had the technology to just put an end to all of this trauma that we were going through. And he used it. Hiroshima, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The first two reasons why nuclear is not okay. All right. Mm -hmm. We instantly went on to ET's radar in a new way. Okay. They watched us develop it. They watched us implement it. And they thought, oh, Lord. Their policy is that autonomy. We were placed here to evolve, to bring our intelligence and our mental abilities up to them so that we could join their society. That moment in time was a 
a total fail, okay, according to them. They decided to make some limited contact because they have contacted other civilizations here on this planet during different time periods. When they did, they were horrifyingly disappointed uh, because uh, we would become more than, um, I want to say evil, but it's not what it is. It's sort of an angry, controlling, uh, will do anything, include a kill to survive, okay? And paranoia out the wazoo. Uh, they went, nope, not going to happen. They want, we wanted detente. A president was in sitting when this happened. It was an Eisenhower. And they went, we can't work with you guys. And they decided to back off from it. They walked away, okay? Now, this left our government and the governments around the world who knew what was going on uh, horrified and perplexed because civilization at that time couldn't understand why this group of people, entities, refused to give them what they wanted. They wanted all the knowledge, all the power, all the everything they had without learning, without employing that knowledge, without wisdom, all of it. They wanted new toys. That's all they wanted. Mm. And ET went, nope, can't happen. Our government and the governments of the world, and Truman started it, Majestic, was to keep it quiet, nix it. And they told everybody later that it was just too much for humankind. No, it wasn't. It was too much for them to deal with because they're paranoid, militaristic, warring ass hats. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so no, there are no underground military bases with the ETs on board. They do not exist. Mm -hmm. That is the governments of the world messing with you mm -hmm. to make you believe their narrative, to stop mm -hmm. you from understanding what's really going on. And there's another issue going on at the same time. And it's serious. Uh, one of, this is the second reason why I'm talking, uh, because I think that humanity deserves to know the truth, literally. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, we have a solar system that is going through a huge change. It happens every 12,000 years. There's also a 6,000 year cycle with this planet that's ongoing and at the same time. And uh, we have to deal with it one way or the other. You're either going to go uh, beyond this existence and go find existence somewhere else because you're an eternal being. Okay. This is a temporary way station you're living in right now. Or you're going to try to... Uh, raise your consciousness, wake up to the truth, learn to talk to ET, hear what they have to say, literally communicate with them. They can hear you, but you cannot hear them at all. You're not using your abilities. You have innate psychic ability. I don't, nobody really knows that. It's been denied to you. They've controlled humanity so much. They've taken so much away from your mind that they're, you don't, you're clueless to it. And it's time to wake up. People are waking up now. People are becoming conscious. They are learning to use their psychic abilities and they're making contact with ET. Um, but it's not everybody. Everybody deserves to do this. Everybody. Uh, that's my message. Yeah, uh, I think you're right on. And, uh, you know, I've had my own personal experiences just recently myself. I had never had an experience in my life. And uh, almost two years ago, I had my first contact experience through meditation, and it's continued and it's been enhanced. And it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from it. Uh, Preston, I want to get your insights into everything she just said about the human military involvement. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Um, well, I have heard people say this. Uh, Dolly says, no, this is not true. Um, so I don't know. Um, I, 
this field has got so much disinformation in it. It's really disconcerting. And uh, I got into this field really quite naive. I, you know, I was a very young man, very skeptical. Thankfully, I was very, you know, scientifically minded and analytical in my thinking and very striving to be objective which I think has helped me an enormous amount. I don't have an agenda to push a certain theory. Um, as I see you know, researchers doing, they have a theory and they look for evidence to back it up. And that's not science. That's not how you build knowledge. You gather the knowledge and then you put forth a hypothesis. So I am still in the process of doing that. I don't have Dolly's firsthand experience uh, to the degree that you know she has so yeah she it's very eye-opening <laughs> uh to realize how much disinformation there is which we i mean I, I started to realize that very early on that there are paid government disinformation agents mm -hmm. and the cover-up was a real shock to me because i was kind of assumed our government was working for our own <laughs> welfare and to find out that no they are not and they are calling UFO witnesses hoaxers, you know, drug addicts, mis stupid, misperceiving. That was the go-to for Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. You did not see a UFO. It's either a hoax, a hallucination, or a misperception. And I looked into that you know, deeply and found out that, yes, there is a cover-up. It is not speculation. It is absolutely 100% demonstrable. Uh, and yes, there are paid government disinformation agents. I would point to, I mean, I think there are some current today. I'm not going to name names, but I'll name some from the past, like Donald Menzel. Mm. I think Stanton Friedman's work on this astronomer who said UFOs weren't real knew perfectly well that they were <laughs> and put forth an enormous amount of misinformation. And was a paid government disinformation agent. It's very distressing. So I'm still in the process of weeding through all the, you know, the chaff and pulling out the nuggets of truth. Yeah. Unfortunately, they are. They're infiltrating this community. We'll see them at UFO conferences. Some of them will even be up there giving presentations. So it, you have to mm. be very careful and discerning with the information that comes out in the UFO community. Um, now, let's talk about the, um, the aspect that we were alluding to that – this is definitely a spiritual phenomenon. You know, many of us, including myself, went into it thinking it's, you know, nuts and bolts. These guys are coming on tin cans across the universe for whatever reason to, to stick probes in us and experiment on us or whatever. And that was about it. But it's evolved greatly, and especially since I've had my own experience. You know, whenever uh, I got in touch with what, like I, like you said earlier, spirit guides, that's what I have an understanding of my contact is, is my personal spirit guides that's what i called the, these these entities the first thing they wanted me to do was heal child childhood trauma 
and take care of things that were, you know, hindering me in my life. And this is not, uh, you know, something that seems like a science experiment that they want to just, you know, poke and prod us and it's a nefarious thing and we got to watch out for these guys. No, this, to me, they are part of us. Uh, they are evolving us spiritually and this entire phenomenon is a spiritual phenomenon to try and, like you said, get us to a certain point that we need to be as humanity. Um, and maybe uh, that the times we're in, it seems like it's a kickstart start for a lot of people. A lot of people are awakening. A lot of people are becoming more spiritual. And after they have ET contact experiences, this is one of the most profound aspects, is most people who who realize and understand that their experiences were a positive experience and they know what happened, their life changes for the better. And they, they can have profound things happen in their life after when it coincides with contact, right? Yes. Um, ET, uh, uh, let's, let's do a checklist. Okay. Let's do a, what we do and what they do. Okay. We, <laughs> we murder, maim, kill, pedophile, rape, uh, cajole, injure, plot, paranoia, all of it. Okay. Uh, the list is endless of the horrors we inflict upon one another as a society. We rage war against one another. We throw a disease against one another. It is horrifying. There is no aspect of humanity here that isn't fraught constantly, daily with negative, horrific things. Okay. Now, at the same time, there are some people who are beyond that and are trying to get away from it or stop it or, you know, teach everybody not to do it. It's uh, a slow process with that. Here's ET. They've known us for eons from the beginning. We have evidence of contact from them all the way through all history. It has never been negative. It has never been, I'm going to war against you and strike you down. I'm not going to do that to you, okay? One of the reasons that ET contacts us now is mostly to help protect us from ourselves because right now our sun is ramped up, our magnetosphere is down, all our poles are changing, and we are heavily exposed to gamma radiation. And they know for a fact, even NASA proved this, Gamma radiation full on changes your genome. It, it messes with your DNA. And they have literally been trying to help us through that to get us to the other side of this situation. Um, that's why the physical examinations, that's why the healings, that's all of it. Um, on the other hand, our government's walking around trying to make them look like the bad guys, but they're pushing pills, shots, and diseases on us. You know, it just doesn't correlate. It doesn't level out properly, okay? Um, one seed of truth doesn't make a total truth. And I'm not asking anybody to believe everything I tell you is absolutely true. Don't take my word for it, please. And then don't. What I do want you to do is research all this stuff. Think about it. Critically look at what's happening around you and what's going on in the world right now. And you'll see that right now we're all start, starting to worry about starving to death. We're all starting to worry about a third world war. We're all starting to worry about all kinds of things like our government's running us like we're slaves mm -hmm. and then and then telling us that they're the bad guys. Yeah, right. don't buy the ET threat narrative. I did when I got involved in this field. I was mm -hmm. horrified and I started doing my research, digging in and very early on, almost immediately, I started getting cases of people who were taken on board and healed. And I started to really think about this and start to look at the contact experience objectively, 
not through the lens of fear, because we are very fear-based. And I will say that, yes, it, this is a scary thing initially for a lot of contactees who do experience trauma, PTSD, nightmares, anxiety, insomnia, but start to move past their fear. You know, when the ETs come, the first thing they will tell you is do not be afraid. We, no harm will come to you. Have no fear. We will not hurt you. And they pull you on board and they will give you a checkup. And this can be very scary for people. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because all they're really doing is healing you and checking up on you. And those who are able to move past the fear often do not have their memory suppressed or given a screen memory or rendered you know, paralyzed temporarily. And they are given given counseling and taken, given a tour of the craft. This is not unusual when Dolly says they'll take you up to the place of movement, as you put it, <laughs> the helm, the control room, and sat in the chair. I've got many accounts of this on people being taught how to fly the craft, shown the engine room, taken up to the observation deck and said, where do you want to go? Let's go see Saturn. Let's go see the moon. This, and if you look at it, it's a very, very strong agenda on the part of the ETs to one, heal, two, wake people up spiritually. Those I think are the really big main agendas. That is what they are really trying to do. And three, warn us against the dangers of nuclear proliferation, pollution, corruption, greed, and our warlike ways. That is really the number one message. When they talk to you, they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> So yeah. this is when I started to really come around. And I tell you, I've talked to a lot of contactees. And the vast majority of the people I've talked to have come to this conclusion. There are still people who say, no, I hated this. It was violating. I didn't like it. But it's a very, very small minority. And almost nobody tells me that they think these guys are evil, as we would think of it. And I really have zero accounts of sadism or torture or malevolence. You know, where they're <laughs> trying to hurt you. Yeah. It doesn't happen. The ET threat narrative is false. There's no evidence to support it. The evidence, the firsthand cases show very clearly that they are here to teach, heal, guide, encourage all very positive things. Look at what actually happens to people who are taken on board and you will see this. This is very important that people do this. Uh, we really need to start ask, you know, everyone has to find out the truth for themselves. Stop looking to TV or the government or other people. You can figure this out yourself. This is a big ET message. This is what they want you to do and wake up psychically. They communicate through te telepathy. We can do telepathy. We can. We can do precognition. We can do astral travel. We can do healing. All of this. This is a natural human ability, and we need to do this. Yes, this I, I love this. It's very, extremely uh, sad that we have factions of our own society, elite factions, that don't want us to achieve this because of greed, power, money, whatever reasons they want to keep us in these lower states. But I think it's inevitable. Uh, I think there's been a quickening of um, advancement of consciousness and an awakening going on right now. And I think it's inevitable that this is going to happen. Uh, do you think that also it's 
inevitable that we're going to have um, an understanding or uh, even global contact within our lifetime, possibly? Uh, yeah, your time is absolutely running out on this planet. Um, talking about the magnetosphere being down and our sun is heating up, we're going into a solar maximum, a huge one. And it's we're not even at that apex point of it yet. Uh, we're developing CMEs. Our weather is changing. Our planet is reacting to what the sun is doing. We have an electromagnetic current sheet coming through our solar system right now that's impacting us as well. And uh, our planet is not going to be a happy camper. And the first thing that's going to happen, and I'll give you a clue, uh, you know what the Carrington event yep. is, correct? That was yep. the shot across our bow. That was the heads up, people. You know, uh, this is what's coming at you. And it is, and it will. Um, we're going to have a bad day coming up. It's probably in about two, two and a half years. We're going to blow a CME in the X-class range. It's going to, all the weird situations going on are going to amplify it. And it's going to knock us straight into the Stone Age, period. Mm. Okay. This is the reason why you're being lied to, because the 1% know it. All the rulers of this world are very well aware what this is. I very well knew it was a child. My father was part of this group because he was one of their architects and they've been building sanctuaries and bases and all kinds of stuff for them. Nobody else uh, to survive this CME. They think they've built cradles to protect their electronic gear. They've got a, a presidential two B-52 bombers underground. They have a presidential plane underground with all the everything it needs to run when they pull it out after the CME, they think they could protect it from it. No, they cannot. Okay. People who believe their own uh, stupidity are the first ones to go. You know what I'm saying? It is not good. Um, the CME will be powerful. It will go straight through the earth like it is nothing. And it will take out every power source we've got, every electronic we got. You will be the Flintstones. Okay. Mm hmm you have to survive that because right now ET's bugged out. They've been gone for a little over a year. Totally. They've been bugging out for the last two years before that. And they can't be here for this. We, they run their uh, technology off uh, electromagnetic waves. This planet has its own core it has its own magnetism and it has, you know, field guidelines all around it from the magnetosphere and the way the power comes out magnetically. It's messed up. They can't fly it anymore. Too many crashes. They can't do it. For the last 80 years, it's been going down. It's gotten significantly worse and they're not here. The only thing that are here right now are their drones. And that's because their drone technology does a lot better and they can afford to lose them. They can't afford to lose themselves or their craft. They need them. Um, once we go through this big boo-boo from the sun and our magnetosphere powers itself back up, they'll come back. They're coming back. You'll see every AT, you can't even imagine. They'll be everywhere. They'll land on every road, every driveway, every field, every airport, anywhere they can get a craft down to get people out of here. They will open the doors. You will be called psychically. They're already broadcasting that message to people now. Okay. When they when they say we're on our way, get ready, they mean it. And it means leave everything. Just bring yourself, your dog, whatever, your cat, they'll let animals come with you. Not cows or deer or horses, but personal animals. Um, and they're going to get us off this rock. You're going to take us to safety because we can't stay here anymore because what's coming behind that CME is 
uh, going to kill everybody if we don't get off this rock. And that is we're going to have a micronova. It's going to flop our planet forward because it's already unstable. It's happened every 12,000 years for the last 280,000 years. Uh, we had a huge cataclysm in this solar system before that. We all weren't here to begin with, first of all. We all used to live on Mars, okay? And they got us off Mars because they saw this huge rogue planet with carrying asteroids around it heading into our system. And they planned for it. They got everybody off. They got us out. And after the cataclysm, they looked at the situation. Earth was uh, not in in the catbird seat when this happened. Earth was slightly further out in a little different elliptical uh, orbit than uh, Mars was. Mars was where we are now. Mars is much bigger than Earth, way bigger, but Mars is still not the size it used to be. I mean, it blew off the entire outside of that planet because a rogue planet came in and hit it direct head on, boom. It, it destroyed all kinds of things in our solar system. The Kuiper Belt, look at the Kuiper Belt. It's huge, massively dense. There's yeah, this, a this, this is all you know, really good news. I'm so excited because let's look at life on Earth today. It is hard. People are having a hard time. It's not supposed to be yeah. like this. We are not supposed to live in fear of our right. own government, of each exactly. other. This is so. This is great, great news right. for humanity. Can you right. imagine how wonderful it will be to live in love and harmony without? you know, having to earn money just to get through the next day without right. having to lock your doors, without wondering if someone is lying to you. Uh, so it's such wonderful news. And we all pass at some time, you know, we're physical yeah. beings, but the truth is we are eternal and death is a lie. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. People live in constant fear of dying. And well, if you, you talk were, Yeah, if you could have just do some astral travel, learn how to go out of body, and you will see that we are, in fact, eternal beings. There is no such thing as death. We don't, do not need to live in fear. The universe is safe. And this is going to be a huge wake-up call for people because we have been so long suppressed, so long lied to, so long struggling that we've become exhausted. And people are now at the point like we cannot take this anymore. So this is fantastic news, and it's going to be so wonderful because uh, life as we are living in, on Earth is not sustainable on the path we're on. It's just not. Yeah, and we know that, like you said, Earth has been hit by massive cataclysms in our past. There's evidence of it. Probably destroyed much of the life on the planet. And I believe that, as many other researchers believe, we're long overdue for the next one. So it would make sense. We've been getting warnings about this for a long time. Uh, and it would also make sense with everything we're seeing uh, seemingly from those powers in control and the agendas that have been unfolding and everything else uh, indicates that they know something, and and we don't, and they are trying to probably prepare themselves for something that, uh, like you said, is an inevitable major cataclysm that they wouldn't even be able to prepare rightly for. Uh, but, man, we live in very interesting times. This is so fascinating. Yeah. I love seeing what's happening with people and contact and the realizations and people like yourself coming out and sharing their stories. I think this is what we need – 
to uh, get more minds opening and and people looking into this stuff. So, uh, Preston, Dolly, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, before you both head out, let uh, everyone know where they can find the book. If you have any social media websites, all that good stuff. All right, Dolly does have a YouTube channel, by the way. So. She has evidence of her encounters and photographic evidence films and more than that, actually corroborating witnesses and so forth. But if you want to look at some of the photographs and moving films, you can go to her YouTube channel, just punch in her name. I also have a YouTube channel. I've got a website, PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. Uh, got excerpts of the book there. You can contact me as well through my website. Uh, I'm on, of course, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, other social media platforms. You can get the books on Amazon. This is an important subject. You may be skeptical, but if you look into it, I think you'll find it's real. And my parting words would be to everyone is to release yourself from fear, have fun, live your life, garden, you know, get enough supplies of food and water, build a community, stop looking to our uh, the liars for answers and search for them yourself. And yeah, be positive, have fun and love one another. Love will get us through this. I love it. Anything to add Dolly? Yeah. Um, I don't like to be shock and awe. It's my last uh, hope for everybody to be shocked and awed. Um, I just want y'all what Preston said. Everybody should live their life every day. Everybody should work on themselves, find your abilities, find your, your, the truth. Okay. Uh, and always remember that love is the way this is true. This is what ET is all about. And that's pretty much all I got to say, learn to use your abilities, learn to hear them. You will. Right on. Well, this has been great. Uh, I would definitely love to have you both back on in the future to discuss some more because there's so many areas we could touch on. This is such a, a great uh, topic and such a, uh, a wide range of phenomenon. It, I don't think we're ever going to get to the end of it. Uh, so thank you both so much, and we'll definitely talk again in the future. Okay. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Until next time, everyone, have an excellent <laughs> evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. See you then.